Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Unauthorized Cinnamon, a Deadwood podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Herman. I'm Harry J. Perales, the other. And we are on episode four of season two, the delightfully named Requiem for a Gleet. <laughs> it is kind of remarkable to me how the titles go from... Like, the, the next episode of the season is just called Complications. Like, simple's best. And then there's, like, Requiem for a Gleet, which is a bit cheeky. <laughs> then there's just, like, Jules Boot is made for walking. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is appropriately named Requiem for a Gleet. We start out in Seth's room with Seth and Martha lying in bed. <laughs> Seth wakes up and can't find his boots, and Martha explains, I, I put them down by the door. And uh, Seth mentions that he was asleep when she did that. Yeah. She kind of asks if, uh, do you not want me to do that? Is it, no, what I meant was uh, I had meant to uh, for us to talk last <laughs> night, but I fell asleep. <laughs> but tonight I'll, I'll drink extra coffee and I won't fall asleep so we can talk. Talk. <laughs> <clears throat> she brings up that, you know, sometimes... Morning is a good time to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> when we gonna fuck? <laughs> I mean, ta- and this is very interesting. It's mm-hmm. like we, you know, we're husband and wife now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know exactly back then. I know in England it was very much like the wife's duty. And I would guess that America is very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Martha kind of feels like I have to do this for my husband. And <laughs> Seth's. Like, they're, they're sitting on opposite ends of the beds, like, backs to each other, like, you know, the quiet of the morning can be a good time for, she says, like, for intercourse. And yeah. She, she like, kind of, like, closes her eyes, like, uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to say intercourse. Remember, <laughs> she says that type of intercourse, I think. She doesn't flat out say intercourse. She's right. Like that type of... yeah, yeah, she meant it as, like, talking. Yeah. It's but like, she's uh, like, uh. Seth's like, uh, kids asleep, don't want to wake him up. He's sleeping soundly. He, he sleeps very soundly. Yeah. He, he's a deep sleeper. You just like close the door. You should be fine. And her little like, would you like to start a discussion this morning? <laughs> um. So yeah, then they close the door and they're gonna um fuck for the first time. Uh, we go to Al's room and Al's still shaking with fever. Um, and uh, Trixie and Dolly are, are kind of sponging him down to to cool him off. Like we should also mention the Seth, uh, or, uh, I'm sorry, Al is still his face is all fucked up from the fight. Yeah, on top of just like being un- like unable to talk and shaking with fever. Mm-hmm. This is it's he's just like in the worst fucking way, and uh, I-, I think you know, the AV Club, I believe it was the AV Club, so they they really pushed the idea of the um, characters as gods of the camp, and Seth dragging down. Al to the level of the mortals is mm-hmm. kind of like <clears throat> this brush with mortality has mm-hmm. like completely fucked up Al. Mm-hmm. Um, Dolly is, is afraid that she did it to him and like that she's killed him. And Trixie's like, no, no, you didn't. Uh, we go out to almost claim and Walcott is just kind of standing around looking <laughs> and it's like, you know, maybe it's it's we understand the character of Walcott, but it's so like scary. It's mm-hmm. like in it's like in It Follows when you just see like yeah. a s- <laughs> small 
figure and you're like a small oh! as large naked man standing on the roof <laughs> yes. staring at you. that wouldn't be completely out of place on this no. show um yeah uh ellsworth sees him and he he goes can, into fucking badass mode yeah man <laughs> he is he's not cause yeah. he's, he's dealt with this guy before mm-hmm. and he tells him like you shouldn't be around here without like introducing yourself and you shouldn't repeat that mistake and mm-hmm. Walcott is like this shows you know there's some politicians that can be very um charismatic and seemingly likable when they're saying stuff that is complete bullshit and they're going to like screw you over mm-hmm. um and the way Walcott's like well that's not a very friendly uh welcome to an honest mistake or whatever mm-hmm. yeah. and it's like this was no mistake <laughs> you are here for a reason you're a fucking piece and and ellsworth does not stop no he knows exactly who he is knows exactly why he's there knows he's working for george hurst and he tells him so yeah and he's like were you in the comstock working as a keen eye did you work in the comstock when you was beardless i did for mr george hurst as a keen eye for the color as a geologist for mr hurst you have the advantage of me mr ellsworth that ain't a possibility walcott no more than an error of yours would be innocent. I do dimly recall an Ellsworth. Superintendent the Consolidated Virginia operation. I don't give a fuck what you recall. A hero. Dug a week without respite to save three poor souls from a cave-in. And 46 corpses in a fucking hole that ought never to have been dug. Always a choice. Count the saved or lost. Get off this property. Just as a man opposed to inevitable change, Needn't invariably be called a Luddite. Another choice might be simply to describe him as slow in his process. You tell that cocksucker you work for, the next surrogate he sends oughtn't to be bloody from the Comstock. The noise is terrible, isn't it, Mr. Ellsworth? Like fate. Walcott says he kind of remembers Ellsworth, and as Mm -hmm. we get a little bit of backstory for Ellsworth, Mm -hmm. he had been working at Comstock, and he... There was a cave-in at this one mine, and Ellsworth, like, dug nonstop for, like, a week. To save a bunch of people. Yeah. And this, you know, I'm a bit proud of myself with this politician claim, because then there's a very politician-like line. It was like, well, that's always a choice, to count the saved or the lost. It's like, you motherfucker. Like, (laughs) you killed 46 people. He d- he also, as he leaves, like, Ellsworth, you know, just no time for him. You can fuck off. As he leaves, he goes, the noise is terrible, isn't it, Mr. Ellsworth? Like, fate. And I didn't, that didn't land particularly hard with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I get that Walcott's kind of telling him that, you know, we're coming and you can't stop us. And yeah. You're, you're way behind in technology, I guess, but... It just didn't metaphor didn't like mm-hmm, didn't land really match up. Yeah, me. I don't know. How did you feel about it? Uh, probably about the same. Honestly, I was well. I mean, I just saw it as kind of like um, like a placeholder thread in lieu of something better, and they never came up with something better. And I mean, Walcott's such a scary character that mm-hmm. whenever he, just saying something like "like fate" mm-hmm. makes me go, "Ugh." Yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, in Alma's room, Sophia's reading her book. That she used to learn. It was like ox, box, socks. I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
Alma like makes a little joke about like, oh, your little doll's losing attention. I would bribe her with a piece of candy. And so she gives Sophia this rock candy. And I'm like, Miss Isringhausen hasn't been gone. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, f- for yet a whole day. <laughs> and Alma's so ill prepared to take care of Sophia that yeah. she's already just like bribing her with yeah. candy. <laughs> Maybe I'm being too harsh, but I think it's showing that like, she has no idea what to do with her. And she's just yeah. like, I got you some candy. Like, <laughs> Shut up now. <laughs> right. Um, but Miss Isringhausen comes in and they kind of discuss her leaving. She's like, do you still want me to go? Almost calm down. She's told her like, look, I'm going to pay you, you know, two weeks severance and plus all this money for I said tra- like like six months severance and plus six, $200 okay. for her travels and uh yeah and, and like I'll pay for your room while you make arrangements and mm-hmm. she's you know doing everything she can mm-hmm. um I, it's either because she, I think it's one of two things or both like she can afford to just throw money at a problem mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah she's like look I'll just pay for everything whatever don't be mad <laughs> but it's also like she probably feels bad for yelling at her yeah um and she She tries yeah she you know basically doing what she did with sophia is like you know giving her candy oh yeah Yeah. i don't know how to handle this here's this though yeah (laughs) take uh, instead of human affection yeah (laughs) um and alma tries to tell her that she's like way too hard like do you want to tell Sophia goodbye? She's like, I'll not say goodbye to spare her. And she's like, you know, you don't have to be so harsh, like not only to me and Sophia, but also like to yourself, you don't have to mm-hmm. hold yourself to this impossible standard. Like we talked about with Seth a couple uh, weeks ago where like uh, they say like he holds himself to this impossible standard and then gets mad when yeah. no one else lives up to it. And, yeah. You know, um, but Izzy Lee, <laughs> I just came to writing Izzy in my notes because <laughs> don't want to write out Isringhausen each t- or Miss Isringhausen. Like, I got I got things to do, man. <laughs> um, we're at <clears throat> the gem again. Dan is uh, at the bar and he's he's kind of nervously looking up at Al's room. His shoulder is still hurting him really bad. So EB comes in and Dan is, is pouring him some coffee. His hand is just like trembling super hard with like he can barely move it. I love that EB like doesn't go, Jesus, what's wrong? <laughs> He's just like, thank you, Dan, for the coffee. Like, <laughs> and, this, and EB uh, brings up that he heard Al screaming last night as everyone he camp did. Later, Saul mentions that he heard it. Uh, Dan tells him, like, don't worry about it. EB's like, well, uh, are you sure I shouldn't be worried about it? And Dan's like, don't fucking really. Get <laughs> I gave you your answer. Now fuck off. And now, <laughs> in walks a character that uh, <laughs> you you see certain characters, and you're like, "How soon is he gonna get yeah. killed by Dan? Like, just be gutted." Yeah, he's such an ugly little prick. Yeah, this guy Eamon, Dan immediately just calls him Cropier. Yeah. <laughs> I love this very specific character of like the West of like he he does not belong in civilized society mm-hmm. and like says fuck you to everyone yeah. that isn't. <laughs> He's just like take a look, Dan, and ain't never grown back. 
but basically, Eamon's got. Uh, yeah, Johnny tells him like he's gone up to Gayville, uh-huh. which I the <laughs> Eamon like, does the waking motion like, uh-huh. oh, has he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Eamon's got like a score that he wants to do and give Al some part of robbing somebody. He wants to talk to him. Dan says he can tell him next afternoon. Uh, now in the thoroughfare, another stagecoach has arrived. Uh, it's bearing Carrie, but it's also bearing Commissioner Jarry. <laughs> Hugo Jarry? Yeah, uh, Hugo Jarry, played by Stephen Tobolowsky. Stephen Tobolowsky. <laughs> uh, everyone's favorite. Ned Ryerson. <laughs> Ned. Yeah. Uh, Carrie's coming out and Walcott is there to greet her. <laughs> He's very excited to see her. <laughs> But she doesn't want him looking at her until she's bathed. <clears throat> so he has some men, like, he pays them to, to take her stuff to the chaise Ami. He tells all of them, like, mm. she is not to be looked at or spoken to until she's bathed. I thought it was very interesting because she's just very vain. Yeah. And, uh, but he's immediately just kind of like, I totally get it. You don't want anyone... <laughs> You don't want oh, anyone yeah. looking at you. I yeah, man. I get. I, believe me, I know. <laughs> but for very different reasons. And also, we see the. Uh, I guess it's Mister Lee, in mm-hmm. the in the foreground. I just wrote down cocksucker San Francisco. <laughs> uh, yeah, we see Mister Lee in the foreground as as like Commissioner Jari's arriving and Walcott's walking around. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> he walks up to Walcott. <laughs> And he's like, oh, no, these rumors about the camp. <laughs> Walcott's like, come on. More, more quiet. <laughs> less loud, more convincing. Yeah, less volume, yeah. More, more conviction. Or conviction, something? yeah. Um, then uh, Commissioner Jari comes up to EB, and he wants a hotel room. And he also asks where the Bell Union is. And EB's like, uh, EB Farnham, uh, proprietor of the hotel, and also mayor, though that position is larger, cer- largely ceremonial. <laughs> and Jar's like, Lawrence County Commissioner, the position is real. <laughs> what a turd. What a turd this guy is. But I'm, I love him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so uh, Jari is walking to the Bella Union. Adams sees him. And he's like, hey, what's up? Commissioner, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, it sounds like I waited for you outside your office for a long time. And Jari brings up that, you know, after Claggett disappears, like everyone in Yankton was like, oh, okay, <laughs> like, <laughs> we can't trust Adams anymore. Adams is in with a new gang or whatever. And Adams tries to tell him, like, last I saw him, he was with General Crook. I assume he's still with him. And he's like, and Jari's like, Oh yes, taken from amongst the cavalry by by savages, and like <laughs> those moonlight machinations being their stealthy hallmark, like kind of winking at the the. I I feel cheesy, but but the agreed upon lie. That, yeah, you know, anytime someone disappears, they're just like, oh, you know, uh, Indians. You know, <laughs> what are you gonna do? Uh, uh, but uh, we see while they're kind of talking, we see. Walcott talking to Mr. Lee. There's a pan over to Wu who like sees them talking, and Wu is clearly like agitated and nervous mm-hmm. about it. Um, we go, we go to the Belly Union, size buying a 
claim from a hooplehead. Uh, but, but the only reason to have this is don't be looking over my shoulder when I'm signing my fucking ex. <laughs> like people back then being so private, like don't look at, don't look over my shoulder when I make an X on a paper. Um, <clears throat> we go to the chaise on me and Maddie's kind of reading Joni the riot act for, for losing control with Walcott the night before. Um, she's like, you, you're thinking with, <laughs> they're thinking with their dicks, which gives us the advantage over them. And mm-hmm. you're, you're losing your advantage by not thinking straight. Yeah. Um, and she was like, were, were you, did you think you were going to kill him or something? She's like, I was just protecting myself. Maddie has, Maddie suspects that she wants to like get even for whatever happened to her in the past. There's this really great line from Maddie's is we don't get even, we get dead. And before I go, I intend to have a long, comfortable retirement. And that cocksucker is going to pay the freight. She's this in the, in the previous episode, she was kind of like, oh yeah, any any plans you you can't trust anything like mm-hmm. any yeah any plans you make that are hundred percent certain are plans that you're gonna get fucked like mm-hmm. any good things that happen to you are never a sure thing, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah we like we, there's no hope for justice for us we just have to like put our nose down and work and hopefully someday we get to actually retire. Joni has her little line of foreshadowing that something terrible is going to happen here. <clears throat> Some pretty blatant foreshadowing. And uh, I think Joni does something like asks Maddie, like, why are you like not concerned about this girl getting killed? <laughs> and Carrie, like, <laughs> like door flies open sort of a thing. <laughs> Before, like... First thing we hear from her is her yelling back at the guy helping with her bags. <laughs> she goes, he tipped you. <laughs> <laughs> and then she walks in and just says, this whole place smells like shit. <laughs> and like, that's our, uh, that's Carrie's introduction to her co-workers. Um, back at the, the Grand Central, Evie's having this crisis. <laughs> and again, this is just me just like writing down all these like quotes from EB, <laughs> but you know, basically, he's he's having this sort of crisis of his conscience that he's teaming up with Walcott and kind of betraying Al. But and he says, "It is no disloyalty to be a realist, Richardson." <laughs> like that's the first thing he says, and that's like a good way to start a speech where you reveal you're going to be disloyal. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's that like I'm not a racist, but <laughs> sort yeah. of a thing. Like, uh. Loyalty expanded is not loyalty betrayed. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's saying like, look, I'm just, I'm still loyal to Al, but you know, now I'm also doing this thing as well. Uh, he has a very brief moment of self like realization. He says, I don't like being weak. And I know that I am. I yearn to rely on a stronger will and kind of saying that like he he he's trying to justify what he's doing and he can't even justify it to himself. Yeah. But then, you know, Richardson's there as an easy target for him. Mm-hmm. He goes, but you, Richardson, you have no no self-awareness. You don't know if you're <laughs> like shitting or going blind or whatever. <laughs> and then he does this hilarious like like acting like he's gonna hit Richardson mm-hmm. with a pain. <laughs> 
And Richardson's just looking at him like, meh. <laughs> yeah, and so those great little EB monologues. Uh, back at the gym, Adams, th- this is a really good Adams dancing where he's yeah. like, he's very patient and mm-hmm. like calms like, can I go talk to Al yet? And Dan's mm-hmm. like, nope. <laughs> and like Adams is kind of like, is there any chance that you and I don't end up in black? Can we like not do this? Yeah. <laughs> like, I really have no interest in being your enemy. Yeah. And Dan's just like, well, the whole world would revolve around you and me. <laughs> <laughs> Dan just can't out. Uh, <laughs> But it's a great little, but it also, there's a softening. Like, Adam mm-hmm. tells him, like, look, this commissioner of our county now uh, has arrived in town. He's going to screw Al over. Mm-hmm. He goes, he's going to, he's going to buttfuck Al. <laughs> Dan has a little said hey to you while doing the same. <laughs> Tell Adam, Adam's so, just a real saint about just yeah. being like. <sighs> look, okay. it's in his best interest. <laughs> that like, you relay that message to him. You do him a disservice yeah, if you yeah. don't. So mm-hmm. Dan, I think just seeing that Adams genuinely cares for Al is mm-hmm. the best way to get in Dan's good graces. Yeah. Um, so he's like, look, Al's real fucked up. He might die. He's got a you know, stone blocking his mm-hmm. you know, urine passage. Adam's just like, shit. Yeah. They have their little bonding moment where Dan's yeah. like, How's your little buddy? Yeah. <laughs> like, Hawkeye, he'll live. Yeah. <clears throat> and I love Johnny's like sleeping. <laughs> Dan throws something and Johnny goes, That's something anyway. <laughs> Just repeating his last line. Yes. I love that. Uh now we're in the Grand Central. Uh almost sitting down by the staircase, like waiting for Ellsworth. Uh, to pick her up um ellsworth comes in and she's saying like i've heard all these like panicked rumors about Mm -hmm. the camp being unvalidated ellsworth's like immediately like uh okay sure like i'm sure you did whatever uh he says like look there's always rumors uh in these camps i'm not worried he has that line the creator in his infinite wisdom salted his work so that where gold was there you would also find rumor and he says uh, look i just chased off this guy that's a geologist for hearst and he's like hearst would not be even thinking about coming out here if there was any chance that the claims would be in jeopardy and hearst is very good at spreading rumors mm-hmm. and he's very good at hiding where those rumors all come from yeah now i come back in a camp and there's rumors swirling about that the <laughs> The water's muddied and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I see no change and, you know, we're, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Almost kind of like, you don't need to, uh, or it was before that, almost like, you don't have to spare my feelings by lying to me. And that's when he says, like, look, I just saw this dude that blah, 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 all that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're back at the Bullock's house and Henry's enjoying breakfast and <laughs> Martha's cooking and Seth just, Comes down after they fuck. <laughs> uh, and they, there's this kind of feeling out between the two of them of, are we going to call each other by first names? Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess after that consummation, it's kind of like, she kind of goes, would you like some breakfast, Seth? <laughs> is it? Is Seth, Seth? is it? <laughs> and he's like, I'd like that, Martha. Yeah. She's like, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, William says that he wants to uh, 
make a garden kitchen for for Martha and um, uh, Seth tells him to just go to the hardware store let Saul know what he needs uh, we're at the Grand Central now <laughs> I love almost, <laughs> almost like standing up like on the ban- like leaning against a banister you know I wrote down she's looking at him like a hawk looking at a field mouse mm-hmm and she's even like kind of clicking her nails, like talons. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so then she swoops down and, and says, "Like Mr. Farnham," and he goes over to talk to her, and he credits her. This is this is just like I just want to stop and be like, this scene is very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever we have to say is not going to be. It's like I do justice. Yeah, it's it's so good. Me <laughs> saying, uh, "Oh, you're uh, what I wouldn't give to have." trade some of my male intellect for your <laughs> feminine intuition she's like uh what what do you mean he says you must have sensed the camp was in peril and you shipped all your gold off to denver blah 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 and he's being uh, well at the same time he's being very condescending he's also being super creepy he's like why do i feel this way i imagine you thinking as you brushed your hair maybe and it's like oh like don't think of me like like that <laughs> Perhaps you should sell. Mrs. Garrett, had I your intuition, would I not have done? I'll buy it. Aren't you wonderful and kind and intuitive and generous? No, I couldn't burden you, nor impose upon your generosity, tremendously wealthy as you are. Name your price, Mr. Farnham. We'll close the transaction now. Now you unsettle and trifle with me and make me nervous and uncertain. My intention is quite otherwise. And intuition. Oh, your intuition? Name your price. How do you males put it? Shit or get off the chamber pot? Oh, Mrs. Garrett. Shit indeed. Oh, dear. Unless, Mr. Farnham. Unless what, madam? Do you reconsider? No, no. I understand. It's your sexist prerogative. Unless I meant to say you're lying about the camp's peril. Lying? I? But why would you do that? Exactly. You will make a price for me, then. Let me uh, consider, Mrs. Garrett. Don't, Mr. Farnham. Trust your instincts. I'll have you an address in no time. She's. This is a lot like what Walcott was doing last episode, where uh-huh. she's she's like, unless you're lying about the camp's problem, it's like lying. I. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, <laughs> she's just putting him exactly where she wants him, and he is like so flop sweaty. Mm-hmm. There's a great moment of him like standing up and like hitting his head it's like well i, <laughs> I kind of wonder if it wasn't uh scripted because it's like <laughs> such a perfect like oh <laughs> yeah but i think it's uh just him being good uh <laughs> and she's like what is it you men say shit or get off the chamber pot <laughs> is that oh mrs garrett shit indeed oh dear <laughs> Yeah, great, 
Great scene. <laughs> I remember it. And she leaves and he has that miserable, haughty cut. <laughs> pathetic little worm. But man, what a good character. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we're in Do- uh, Al's room and Doc's going over his surgery options, the higher the low method. Mm-hmm. Uh, so low when tails cutting through was tanked. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Doc mentions that he's seen the high method performed, and he's assisted in closing it up, and talked with the surgeon after, so he's more comfortable with that one. Mm-hmm. Al's like lying on his side, and Dana's sitting where Al's facing. Mm-hmm. Dana's kind of like... Yeah, Doc, he agrees with the upper. Like, even Al's doing nothing. Yeah. Dan is just. I, I love the side of Dan of him, like, taking charge and yeah. trying to do what's best for Al. Mm-hmm. And, like, is that what you want, Al? Yeah, yeah, he wants the upper. <laughs> uh, and Doc says that um, two men out of ten survived the surgery. <laughs> uh, Not good at yeah, but he says, you know, at some point we're going to reach a 100% chance you die if we do nothing. Yeah. Um. So, like, they just decide, like, all right, we're going to do the upper method. And Dan goes out on the balcony to cry. Mm-hmm. This is, like, they're staring down, like, pretty much 80% odds that Al's going to die. Yeah. Um, and it's hard for, for everyone. Dan and Trixie especially... I, th- I would think Johnny as well, but Johnny's just too s- sweet and dumb. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, uh, at the Bell Union, Commissioner Jari is sitting with Sai and uh, Walcott discussing what's going to happen with the claims. And this, this is kind of that... Uh, I know, like, look, folks, I'm a 30-year-old white liberal... <laughs> And I'm about to reference Hamilton. Like, <laughs> I apologize. I, for one, am shocked. For being, <laughs> I, I apologize for being such a cliche. But this is kind of the room where it happens, where we talk about like these huge decision, these huge decisions are. I'm only drinking water. <laughs> huge decisions are being made in this one room. And no one else. And it's one politician, like two businessmen, you know? Uh, it's This is the other side of Walcott. Besides being like a murderous uh, sex criminal, mm-hmm. he's just such... He's exactly what put us in the situation we're in today <laughs> politically, mm-hmm. where they're saying like... Uh, well, you know, like, we'll determine the claims on a case-by-case basis. Everyone should be fine. And uh, I'm sure there'll be, like, a cleansing of the market naturally. Referring to all these rumors that they're circulating and manipulating people into thinking blah, blah, blah. And Walcott has that line, it's always best to allow the market to operate unimpeded. <laughs> I just wrote, Walcott, you motherfucker. Because he's... <laughs> it's people like that. They want the free market so that they can fucking exploit it, which they do every single time. Mm-hmm. And it ends up with 46 dead miners. And <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> okay, I'm real mad. But yes, but the whole time Commissioner Jerry is uh, distracted by the horn that's serving drinks. Yeah. Not subtle about it. And Sai <sighs> picks up on it. And, um, you know, they decide that, you know, before they announce what all is happening, like, let's, um, 
give it some time and let rumors circulate that the commissioner's in town and people get more nervous. And, you know, they're manipulating this so-called unimpeded market. And uh, size like man might use that time to put some stink on his Johnson or some, <laughs> some other kind of uh, typically sigh <laughs> way of phrasing. Uh, but we're in the the hardware store. <laughs> oh, I love this. Trixie comes in. She's like uh, calling out for Saul. Saul does this thing where he wheels out backwards, mm-hmm. smiling, and I'm like, <laughs> "You adorable son of a gun." <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but Trixie um, tells him that she can't do a lesson a day because Al's sick and she's like, I can't be in there, but I can't focus on my lessons. And Saul gives her a hug to try and, you know, console her. But then Seth shows up. So she's like, all right, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's enough of that. Um, and Saul tells Seth that Trixie just told him that Al's bad off and he might die. And he mentions hearing him scream the night before. Um, But also they've gotten a letter from this bank in Denver saying they'll need to come up with 15% of the $2 million loan they want as a down payment, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of money. $2 million? Yeah. I don't remember what they're doing with this money. (laughs) Do you remember? Mm -hmm. Anyway, they want $2 million for something or other. They got to raise, what was it, 300000 um, and, uh, they're kind of like, uh, where are we going to get that? And, um, Saul, like Saul kind of brings it, you know, we could put down Alma's property as collateral and Seth's like, absolutely mm-hmm. not. Um, Saul also brings up that, you know, Swearingen would put up the money and Seth is like, no disreputable people. <laughs> Mm-hmm. There's a great line from Saul. Yeah. Uh, if money had to be cleaned before it was circulated, we would still be living in fucking case. <laughs> I was like, your old man again? Yeah. Like, no, that's me. <laughs> that that's a new is. thing. Yeah. And uh, now we're back at the Bell Union, and uh, Walcott's talking with Tolliver and Mr. Lee, the Cocksucker San Francisco. Uh, Lee's going to give a uh, side dope to sell to people. Um, they get a cut of that. And also there's uh, 50% of the proceeds from gambling with Mr. Lee and the Chinese prostitutes. In like, Sai's kind of wondering why this deal is so one-sided. And I, I kind this kind of went over my head. <laughs> I started to be like, well, what they're saying here is, yeah. uh, and I was like, ah, ah, I, I don't <laughs> quite get it. And Sai keeps making these racist jokes mm-hmm. and like, no one's enjoying it, but Sai. Yeah. Um, but basically, yes, we're setting up this business, business partnership with Mr. Lee and Sai. Um, now back at the gym, uh, Dana's kind of ch- talking to Trixie and he says like before he met Al. Dan was just like a useless. Mm-hmm. He w- wasn't any better than Eamon, the crop yeah. mm-hmm. Uh Trixie kind of snaps at him. She's like, well, <laughs> like ring the goddamn bell and I'll rend our garments or whatever. 
And he's like, look, I'm just saying, she says, I ain't hearing confession today, which I thought was good. There's another bit where, like, uh, it's more backstory, but, like, expository backstory of uh, certain characters that's been happening in the past couple of episodes. Yeah, and I thought this one was done a lot better. Right, yeah. Um, And then Trixie has a... Says that bit, which also, I think, uh, ties into the direction the show was going to go had it lasted more seasons, but doesn't actually happen in the show. Oh. Where Trixie says, say you'll burn down this fucking place, you know, basically before Cytolliver takes it over. Yeah. Now, this this was a thing where... This is, this is a thing that movies and TV shows do a lot that mm-hmm. kind of bugs me, where a character will... S- say something mm-hmm. the other character will be like huh and be like did it hurt what when you had the surgery back then it's like how the fuck were they supposed to know what you're talking about <laughs> no one does it's like say you'll burn it down dan mm-hmm. dan's like huh yeah <laughs> this fucking place this make this is a better one of those yeah but i think this more um had the show gone on for like four seasons, which I'll spoil it now because in real life the gem did burn down, right? Yeah, yeah. The so, whole town like burnt down, yeah. pretty much. So, um, I could just see that, like knowing that now and wa- rewatching the show, like, oh, this is gonna happen in like season four. Mm. Like this, that's what this is like, you know, setting that up for. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, sometimes like these TV shows, they'll be like butterscotch. What butterscotch? That's what my grandma used to always give me. Like, what are you doing? No one talks like this. Uh, let's see. Now, in Al's room, Doc is sterilizing his instruments, but he's shaking. His hand is trembling. Yeah. <laughs> which you, you kind of think has to only be nerves. Yeah. Uh, he's not, like, addicted to anything, really. Like, he likes to drink, but he's not an alcoholic, really. Mm-hmm. Johnny's like, hey, Doc, I'm going to get a whiskey. You want a whiskey? <laughs> Doc's like... Fuck you! I don't want a fucking whiskey. He's like, I'm just meant to like steady your hand. He's like, whiskey doesn't steady the hand; it just keeps you from noticing. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, just is like, fuck you, you fucking mm-hmm. idiot. He's uh, not in the mood, mm-hmm. and he kind of drops his instrument and lets out that Jesus Christ, I do not need to kill another man. Which more like yeah. you said, filling in backstory, like. Yeah. I think we all could have guessed that, which oh. th- through like other scenes with Doc, mm-hmm. but this is a, a blatant saying like, "Yeah, I lost someone in surgery, and I can't deal with it." Mm-hmm. And Johnny, <laughs> Johnny chose to pick it up. I wrote down Johnny Burns his hand, and I was like, "Wait, that's his name, Johnny Burns." Johnny Burns. The yeah, eye picks it up. It's just a very Johnny thing. Like, yeah. oh, oh, good. <laughs> uh, I'm back in the. Downstairs at the gym, Wu comes in really agitated. I actually really like the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, there's kind of some Johnny ugliness, but I love Wu comes in and Dan is too exhausted with trying to fill in for Al. Yeah. You know, like we talked about losing the center of gravity from this thing and Dan mm-hmm. like, what what's under my purview? What, what am I supposed to do in all this? Mm-hmm. He's just uh, frustrated and exhausted. Mm-hmm. And now Wu comes in. And he's like, I-, I can't understand. Like, not now, Wu. Like, I can't deal with this. 
Wu tries to tell him, you know, like, cocksucker, San Francisco, mm-hmm. and shows him his braid. Yeah. There's a line like, Wu, I'm not as smart as Al. I can't <laughs> yeah. figure out. But he figures it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, 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 yeah, he just basically thinks that he's useless without Al, even though Dan is very capable. He yeah. just, you know, he thinks he's useless without Al. Like, he doesn't know what he would do without Al. Mm-hmm. And we kind of saw when Adams was coming around that he isn't the keen mind that Adams is or that mm-hmm. Al is, but he's still, you know, he was he was talking about how like I was worth I was I was just a creature on hind legs mm-hmm. before I met Al. Yeah, but he's grown from being around Al. And yeah, he kind of like at first makes light of it, like oh, there's an invisible cocksucker taller than you next to you, but. He's kind of like making a joke, yeah. but he like goes, oh, you're talking about a guy, he looks like you, he's from San Francisco, you're worried about him. Mm-hmm. And that's what he needs yeah. to take to, to out. And then, you know, Johnny says, oh, why don't you learn to talk American, which is... Well, I mean, that's another Johnny thing where like, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like relatives that you have, you know, they have really ugly views, <laughs> yeah. but they're also very sweet. Yeah. They have really ugly, broad views of people outside of themselves. Yeah. And that's what Johnny represents. Um and when when Wu responds, like I thought he, like you never want to like give too much props to just like scream acting. Mm-hmm. But I think this particular like scream acting was really good mm-hmm. by uh Keone Young. Uh I need to make sure I got that right. Yeah, Keone Young, right? Who plays Wu? Mm. Yes. Where you uh, shouts back like "Ooh, no English, Makwaila!" Like mm-hmm. shouting it back. I thought it was like really, really good. Yeah, I just I love Wu so much, and it makes me like. We do get more of him later on in the series, but I, I still wish there was even more of him. Yeah. Um. Now we go to the strangest scene. Yeah, and this is this is another thing where like uh, I'm sure we've had it before, but this is kind of the first time in the show. That uh, it's been between two people who aren't like, I guess you would call legacy characters or whatever. Like yeah. characters who were introduced in the very beginning of the first season. These are two characters. Isringhausen yeah. was introduced at the beginning of this season. Adams came into the tail end of the first season. Yeah, that's And so this point. is the first time where it's like, oh, okay, this is expanding the world of Deadwood. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's already um, odd because they're like... Too like 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 a step removed from main mm. characters. Yeah, and but yeah, I hadn't thought about how they they weren't even like introduced till very late. Yeah, and they're also um, yeah, they they are like step removed supporting characters. So there is that extra awkwardness of like Adams is like, why are you here? Why why are we <laughs> why are we in a scene together? <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, Al still hasn't met Alma. Yeah, there's, there's, they've never spoken to each other yeah. yet. Uh. Anyway, she's at the door, and Adams is obviously perplexed as mm-hmm. to what she's doing there. He offers a whiskey, he's like, or or water. I just washed my face in, like making a little joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, she tells him that Alma just fired her, and he's like, "Oh, that sucked. Like, I hope you <laughs> punched her in the nose." Like, <laughs> and she says, "Like, this is a it's a day of first for me, first uh first time being fired first time unchaperoned in a man's room mm-hmm. 
Adam's like, and she kind of like tips her glass, and he's like, well, if it's your first time uh, drinking, blah, blah, blah. But then we immediately see her just chug that thing, chug that drink. Yeah. Just downs it. And that's our first clue. Like, I won't spoil too much, folks, but Izzy ain't everything she appears to be. <laughs> uh, she starts crying. I love Adam's just like, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, dear. Um, he sits down, like, facing away from yeah. her. He's like, you want me to leave? Or? Yeah. She's like, no. He's like, would it, would it help if I shot myself? <laughs> and she's like, why would that help? And he's like, I, I, I don't know. I was just trying to be funny. You know, it was a stupid way of trying to be funny, which calls back to one of my favorite owl lines of like i'm stupidest when i try to be funny yeah but this was even stupid <laughs> i didn't understand that at all like would you rather i shot myself yeah what are you talking about adams <laughs> i mean he's just I, I, well he's also uh attracted to miss isringhausen so mm-hmm. uh and then that's when miss isringhausen drops that bomb of like i'm afraid i might be killed mm-hmm. it's like oh and she's like <laughs> And I can tell you that I wouldn't be the first that she had killed. <laughs> uh-huh. Now, yeah. And that's when we're like, oh, okay. And what's really cool in, with this is uh, the episode... I mean, it's kind of brought up in the episode that we did last week. But um, this, you know, brings about the idea of, like, rumors... And just like starting spreading shit, yeah. Just how easy it is to manipulate, <laughs> you know, other people just by saying like, um, I don't remember what politician it was, but there was like this famous, you know, there was this famous like election where like um, they said, you know, that the other candidate had fucked a pig or fucked, you know, some animal, <laughs> and they were like, uh, he's like, but he didn't do it. He's like, yeah, but we're gonna get him to. Um, you know, deny it. And that's just as fucking bad. <laughs> just because <laughs> they're going to, because he'll be the candidate that fucked that animal. Uh, yeah. And like, just how <laughs> the machinations of like, just evil people who, you know, want to further themselves. Wow. Yeah. And we just talked about how, um, where, where the Lord sowed mm-hmm. gold. He also, you'd also find rumor. Yeah. Um, but yeah. We go back to Al's room. <laughs> this scene, <laughs> this is one of those Deadwood scenes that you never forget. Right, like, yeah. It's always, oh, man. So they're prepping Hal for surgery, and Dan is tying him down, and Trixie's about to just, like, give him a whole bunch of dope. Al's trying to tell them something, like, mm. and they're mm-hmm. like, are you scared, Al? Are you scared? <laughs> I think he's scared. He's like, <laughs> Trixie's and just like, oh god, I'm on his fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so like, Doc is like, all right, that's it. <laughs> yeah. For whatever reason, that sends him over the edge. Yeah. I think he just doesn't he, want to fuck anything up again. Yeah, he does. So he just grabs the smelling salts and just puts it under Al's nose, and they hold him up. <laughs> they they basically use this gravity. <laughs> <laughs> whatever happened to smelling salts? How come we don't have smelling salts anymore? Oh, we don't. I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, you used to see them all the time yeah, and, yeah. to revive people. Uh, you never hear about those anymore. Anyway, so I guess that like causes such trauma that mm-hmm. he like clenches up. I guess. Yeah, or like, or, like it expels something or. Fucking dose the smelling salts to your nose. What are you doing, Doc? Be quiet. Sit him up and get him to his goddamn feet. 
Take his prick out. Hold him down, Johnny. You go on out to the balcony. Now I'm charging the salts. All right. I can feel the fucking click of the gleats. All right. Now I want you to milk his prick from top to bottom, and I want you to bring that cocksucker down. That's it. There. Look at it! Look. One cleat chasing a fucking other god. God bless you, Al. Thank you. Thank you for saving me. But yeah, they're literally holding him up. We just see little tricklings of like urine and blood oh, falling to the ground. Yeah, it's like blood and like pus. Yeah. <laughs> like that is those things where y- you think of this as a very violent show with mm-hmm. throats getting slit and yeah. pigs eating people. But just that little sh- few drops yeah. of that specific color and s- yeah. consistency mm-hmm. is so unsettling. <laughs> And the fact that his feet are yeah, kind of like, like dangling, yeah. it 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 like gets across this excruciating pain. He says, "Milk his prick." Milk his prick. <laughs> <laughs> Which, unfortunately, I've never forgotten that phrasing since the first time I really? said milk his. Every time I think of the scene, I just think milk his prick. Milk his prick. <laughs> See, the phrase I always remembered was one gleat chasing another. I don't know why, but like just the idea of that coming out. And then, you know. What, is, the, what does Trixie say? She's got, uh, she says something like trying to like reassure Al, like, oh, that's a stream that would make a horse proud. <laughs> yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> oh, oh, you're doing man. so good. He's like, you push like hell. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the horse piss scene. Yeah. The uh, line. But yeah, so he eventually gets the stones out. And, mm-hmm. and Doc has a great like, God bless you, Al. Yeah, thank you, you for, for saving, saving me. me. Which is a bit on the nose, but, <laughs> yeah, but I still. can believe him actually saying that too. But I, th- I think it's earned in this moment, especially where it's followed by that like overhead shot of him oh. all over Al, which is, that, it, it's up there with like the iconic like images of the show. Yeah, I would yeah. say of television but mm-hmm, yeah. maybe i'm overstating deadwood's importance but that is mm-hmm. such a wonderful shot and uh, it's also like uh it, it's really interesting that this uh, the last episode and this episode we talk about al being the center of gravity and this is a visual representation of all of them orbiting around al and like clinging onto him like a magnet yeah that's yeah um like thank God you're still thank God you're back thank God you're still here <laughs> yeah don't go anywhere never leave um now after that 
heartwarming uh, tale of dick blood, uh, we go to something very ugly and unfortunate. We're at the Shades of Mia again, and Walcott is there. He has all the other girls lined up, looking away from him. Mm, facing the wall. And they're, he's like, girls, are you comfortable? And they're just kind of like, it doesn't matter. Like you, You're paying them to do that. Don't worry about it. He starts telling them about how women used to be prostitutes in the Temple of Aphrodite and just kind of carrying on and on and on. He goes up to one of the girls and s- tells her that he saw her peeking and like shoves her. Yeah. Which is the f- first, I think the first real out- physical outburst mm-hmm. from him that isn't at all warranted. You know, right, yeah. But just goes to his... Um, psychopathy i don't know what the actual term is but mm-hmm. that um maddie herself is actually getting impatient at this point as much as she's you know rebuked Joni for like look this guy's gonna be our our our, our ticket our ticket out of here or whatever she is even like look just do what you came to do and he's like oh am i on a schedule now like i'm paying you a lot to indulge me can't you just indulge me and that's when Joni's like, we're trying, but you're behaving very badly. <laughs> uh, that's when when he kind of turns on her. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm disappointed after our very good conversation the night before. I was trying to teach you about history. And <clears throat> that's when he, I think, sees her weakness and brings up like these tales of mythology about incest of and he's like of fathers and daughters and sister and she just stands up and walks away and yeah you know he sees that he's pushed the right button yeah and uh, <laughs> this is maybe my f- <laughs> not my favorite this is quite a scene let's say that <laughs> let's go to the bell union and commissioner jari's having himself a bath Having some a good old time. <laughs> uh, he's a ridiculous sex baby. <laughs> uh, I think that's that's the best phrase for yeah. it. Well, whatever were you aiming at? Your titties! <laughs> baby Herman, I'm just thinking from Roger Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> Psy comes in and he's like, uh, you want to deliver that letter about the camp's future to our, to, to Mer- he wants to deliver to Merrick for Merrick's too drunk to publish it. And that's when I just realized we haven't seen Merrick the last yeah. couple episodes. But anyway, Jerry's kind of the same as Walcott. He's like, not until my bath is over. Like, <laughs> like excuse me, but I'm in the middle of something. So he's like, uh, this little girl just. Gives him a BJ to make. Yeah, he's like, why don't you blow, don't you blow some bubbles on the <laughs> Jerry does more ridiculous, like, Whoa! pumping his head. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like that just quick little uh, moment of, mm-hmm. it's levity, but it's also, you know, like, politicians are always caught doing those, like, yeah. ridiculous, like, highly uh, fetishized. Anyway. We're back at the gym, and, and Eamon is back. <laughs> this is this is bad news. He comes back in. He's pissed off and wants to talk to Al, and Dan's like, all right, well, if you follow these rules, you can talk to him. And Eamon's just like, 
oh, aren't you so great, Dan? Just being a real pissant. Mm-hmm. So Dan is leading him up the stairs. He's going to let him talk to Al. And he's like, look, you just say your piece. You leave. Dan is, like, recuperating. The Eamon can't help himself. And he's, you know, pushing back at Dan. Mm-hmm. There's a, I, I thought there was a good little line from Dan. He says, Eamon, we live life however we choose. Like, yeah. you can stop being a little prick. <laughs> Uh, but Eamon says you chose life as a cunt behind a fucking bar. <laughs> and so Dan, uh, kills him. Yeah. Like it's very savage and ugly, but it was kind of a uh, cathartic. Well, yeah. Also, um, you have to see that, um, crop ear is basically what Dan would have been if he never found out. Yeah. Just this like mangled, like, you know, like stray animal. Like unfit for mm-hmm. civil society. Yeah, exactly. Whereas Dan has been tamed to some degree every season you know he you know compared to croppier he is you know you know more capable and more civilized and more able to like you know talk to people so do you think he's kind of like trying to save Eamon the same way that he was saved i don't when know he if he, says Eamon, we live life however we choose I, I don't think he's going that far but he might be he may be giving him the option of like look you know there's only one way that I can deal with you. And also, he's probably mad. I saw it as he probably resent or is like sees crappier as what he used to be. And he doesn't like it. He doesn't like that kind right. of person he was. And so, you know, he kind of indulges him for a little bit. And then finally, he's just like, no, I want to get rid of you. I, I, <laughs> I want to get rid of who I was. I don't want to be that person anymore. I don't want to be involved with that kind of person. And then when he's downstairs, he's screaming, I've had a hard fucking day. Yeah, and we kind of talked um, in the premiere of this season um, about the Freudian idea of, like, seeing yourself in other people makes you freak the fuck out Yeah, and not want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it's also, like, the f- he's revolted by, yeah. which might have been what you said. Well, there's, yeah, um, there's that thing, I'm sure I brought it up before, of like, you know, uh somebody told me this a long time ago where like you know you hate the people you see the most of yourself in yeah yeah that's true but he slits his throat and like spits on his face as he's done (laughs) yeah it goes back i've had a hard fucking day (laughs) um we we go back to the chaise on me and this is just walcott and carrying the room together he like asked her like were you seeing a relative in Cheyenne and it's like no I wasn't uh, obviously uh, she's kind of telling him that she's miserable here and he he's like I, I don't know why you're mis-. it's like I like it here as I, I learned from the rocks she's like the, they tell me stories and I can look at you know when people have that sort of ability to read mm-hmm. like it's kind of like speaking a different language and it's sort of like entertaining to be able to see things that to us are just a bunch of rocks, but yeah. he sees history and time mm-hmm. in it. Uh, so he enjoys it out there. Uh, and he wants Carrie to stay there with him. So he just, he's not, I'm not going to say he's in love with Carrie, but he gets what he needs out of Carrie. Yeah. The way that he doesn't from anyone else, apparently. Um, he wants her to stay. He gives her this just huge chunk of gold. He's like, "There's you can get plenty of money. She's like, yeah, but it smells like shit here. Uh, 
she kind of gives him like a dry hump. He keeps his pants on mm-hmm. for it. And he's very quick also. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and during it, she's like, you don't hit me like you hit the others. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you've never displeased me. So he has very specific ritual he needs. And if it doesn't get met, he gets violent, mm-hmm. uh, which is terrifying and awful. Yeah. He he mentions, he says to her, like, I sense Miss Stubbs has fucked a relative. And Carrie says, it's a big club. <sighs> Wait. Yeah. Really? I mean, unfortunately, it is, and especially among that profession, I would imagine. Um, sp- back then, specifically. But I thought that was a really good scene with... Um, we kind of see the full mm-hmm. spectrum of Walcott. Yeah. It's another scene in this episode where it's two people that have just been introduced and, you know, now Deadwood's kind of expanding, you know, as the camp itself is kind of growing bigger. Yeah. Um, our investment in characters is, uh, or the scope of the characters is getting wider. Yeah, that's great. And they're in, like, this building with, you know, Joni was, you know, from the I don't know, third episode or yeah. whatever, but that whole building is populated with people we haven't yeah. seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But episode ends. Yeah. As uh, as a good Deadwood episode should with Alan Bed. Alan Bed and his PJs. <laughs> Just looking at the ceiling and giving us a <laughs> like, Yeah, man. <laughs> his face still mangled up, but you just see like everything of this this whole this whole season has just wrecked <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this whole season. But he he's made it. Yeah. Al has made it. Luckily the season is still young. Yes. And there's a whole lot more to come. Yeah. And we will start covering what else is to come next week with complications. <laughs> <laughs> so we are promised uh, dramatic tension, at least, <laughs> through complications, keeping characters from achieving their goals. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good show, folks. It delivers. <laughs> but yeah, this was one of those... Great episode. It delivered scenes that we never will forget. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, I I will always keep very hydrated and <laughs> try not to drink too much that soda. Was a, that was another thing I forgot to bring up is the fact that um, my, my horrific experience passing a kidney stone. <laughs> oh, God. You had a kidney stone? Yeah. And it was like uh, I couldn't hold oh. down water. I, I was like... Did, have you ever seen Barry Lyndon? Yeah. Yeah, you remember the scene where the the where Lady Lyndon tries to poison herself? Yes. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> Just uh. writhing around, screaming. But uh. uh yeah. It's it's not fun. Not fun at all. I've I've always been terrified of kidney stones because I've you know, my parents both had them. Mm-hmm. Oh, it just sounds like the worst goddamn thing. Yeah, and I mean, I'd had them before, and they weren't. I mean, it was it was uh, it was unpleasant, but uh, that time, well, and so like rewatching this, I just remember like, yeah, thank God they didn't have to didn't have to go through this. I mean, folks, stay hydrated, <laughs> drink water. You know, like uh, get some prune juice, whatever. Take care of yourselves. Cranberry juice, uh, water. Just keep drinking it. Come on. Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to leave you with. Yeah, <laughs> that's. That's our our advice to you. Stay hydrated. Don't get gleets. 
we'll be back next week with complications. Uh, in the meantime, check us out on Facebook. Search for Unauthorized Cinnamon. Check us out on Twitter at Deadwood Pod. Mm-hmm. I've got my other podcast up and going. I'm trying to remember which one I'm plugging right now. That other podcast you can find along with Unauthorized Cinnamon's page on MockingbirdNetwork.com. Right, yeah. yeah, throwing junk. Yeah. Find that there. Uh, you can find Stacks. Find Ryan's Crush Corner. You can find Polly Wanna Podcast. There's tons of great uh, podcasts on there. Uh, and thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week Mockingbird Network Your titties!